How are you going to monetize all these users? Uh, well, we are right now, and that's um, you know one thing that Tom, Tom and I have been working together for 10 years, and that's one thing that we've always had in common um, was that we wanted to build... Passion for monetizing. <laughs> passion for monetizing and, and building a big, scalable business. Yeah, money. <laughs> yeah, right. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Today is Monday, August 24th. At the top of the podcast, you heard MySpace founders Chris DeWolf and Tom Anderson talking to Charlie Rose earlier this year. And we're going to be hearing a lot about those guys on the upcoming podcast. But first, Adam, the Planet Money indicator. All right. I'm checking right now. It is 706. 706? That Facebook friends <laughs> that you have that I have I have 706 Facebook friends and in fact I have one invite and a suggestion to ask Scott Carrier to be my Facebook friend which I'm going to do right now how many of those people do you actually know uh, I don't know I heard all right. Well, never mind. Forget about <laughs> Facebook for one minute. Change your status update to read listening intently to Planet Money because we have a rollicking show for you today. For the next 15 minutes, we're going to be talking about MySpace, specifically the story of how MySpace got its start. And Alex, I want to say if you are a person who cares nothing about MySpace, I am certainly such a person. I could not care less about MySpace. I've never used MySpace. I have no interest in MySpace. Clearly, you're a Facebook man. Uh, I'm not even that much of a Facebook <laughs> man, to be honest. Um but I read this book, Stealing MySpace, The Battle to Control the Most Popular Website in America, and I was hooked. I could not put it down. Uh, I have a full disclosure confession to make. Mm -hmm. So uh, this book is written by Julia Angwin, who's a write, reporter and editor at The Wall Street Journal. She also happens to be one of my best friends from college. So she asked – you know, she sent me a copy of her new book, and I – being polite – thought, well, I have a lot to read, so I don't have a lot of time to read some book about MySpace. I'll read the first few pages, so I have not something nice to say. I couldn't put it down. I mean, the stories of the scams and battles and ugly, terrible people <laughs> behind MySpace were so fascinating. It, I really, I just read it all in a in, in a weekend. Right, and, and and basically the 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 craziest thing is that like this, you, you know, when you think of MySpace, you think of the classic. Internet startup gone huge, you know, like, like Amazon, eBay. Amazon, eBay, Google, all those things where it's sort of like it's, you know, it's like sort of like it's part of a plan. It starts in Silicon Valley and it's sort of like these math geniuses who've been planning it for years and have are five years ahead of everybody else understanding how we're going to be using the Internet. Right. Exactly. And it's just all these smart people who have just sort of like developing and then they roll out their product and it gets bought in an IPO and that's how it starts. And Turns out MySpace. Not no, that's not how MySpace. <laughs> not at no. all. <laughs> uh, the, these are the bottom feeders of the internet. And uh, MySpace isn't even a Silicon Valley company at all. It turns out there's a whole other yeah. world, right? Yeah, there's this whole world I didn't know about. I actually lived in L.A. when a lot of this was going on, and I didn't even know that there's a big L.A. Hollywood internet startup scene that's really different from the Silicon Valley startup scene. So Silicon Valley, like you said, you're, you're, you have to have a Ph.D. in computer science. You have to be a brilliant coder. Uh, Hollywood, you, you just need to have a gift of the gab and a desire for money. Right. So like it's sort of like the Silicon Valley is the nerds, the Hollywood startup scene is the Hustlers. Is the Hustlers. And, and so these were Hustlers, uh, the guys who founded it, Tom Anderson and Krista Wolf, who founded MySpace. They worked at this company whose entire purpose was to make the internet 
really, really lousy for the rest of us. <laughs> and what I found fascinating is is these guys everything you you know that you find creepy or that frustrates you about the internet they were doing right the myspace it turns out was not their idea at the very beginning and 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 they only got to it after a long series of sort of accidents in other things that they were trying to do sort of scams basically they're certainly pretty close to scams. Yeah, they they would look at the internet, figure out how other people were making money, and just copy their ideas. So porn, they did porn. They saw that people were making a lot of money with spyware and pop-up ads and just sort of horrible, annoying, blinking ads to sell really junky products, selling email lists, all of that stuff. And Julius says, you know, these guys sort of perfected the art form of copying scams and, and and brought almost a level of evil genius. Right after 9-11, when everyone was in this patriotic fervor, they came out with a little cursor that would make your where your mouse shows up on your screen um, look like American flag. And so all these people downloaded it thinking like, oh, I'm showing my, you know, patriotism. And actually it was spyware that was tracking your every move on the internet. And So by downloading the cursor software, you're actually installing a software program yes. that is tracking you. Yeah. And, and not only that, it's serving ads to you. So when you try to go to Google and search for, you know, cars, it serves up a pop-up ad on top of what you're trying to find of a car ad. Right. And this company, what was it called? It was... E-Universe. E-Universe. It's one of these classic stories where they just were, they got a lot of investor money and sort of you look and think, why would anyone give them any money? And, you know, it sounds like they had presentations that were, you know, sounded like gobbledygook about how, oh, we're on top of the future synergy. They were basically selling remote control cars and face cream. Oh, yeah. There was actually a lot of their money came from wrinkle cream. So they had these ads called Better Than Botox, which you probably actually distantly recall seeing somewhere on the Internet because they were plastered everywhere. And they were supposedly like a free trial of some wrinkle cream that was going to remove wrinkles from your face. But once you sent in your credit card for supposedly for authorization purposes, this wrinkle cream kept coming and it was every month and you couldn't get it to stop and there are just like thousands of complaints with the Better Business Bureau. And But they were minting money off of this wrinkle cream. So in their hunt for the next porn spyware opportunity, they noticed that everybody's trying to create the next social media platform. Right. And... Uh, and there's all these people in Silicon Valley who have all sorts of theories about how human society is structured and technical ways to amplify the natural connections. And, you know, anthropologists are writing dissertations on this topic. These guys are just what, – what are they Copying. thinking? Just, so they're not thinking at all. They're just – they are – Tom, actually, who had run a porn site um, on the side, was really – famous for trolling around the internet and particularly for looking for cute girls. So Friendster was a, was a hot Silicon Valley property where there were a lot of cute girls, including one named Tila Tequila, who's managed to crawl her way up from, I think she's probably still D-list celebrity, but maybe C, <laughs> by virtue of MySpace. So he saw that there were people like her on Friendster, and he, he made it his mission to recruit them to a copycat site, MySpace, which was basically the same as Friendster in all respects, except that it was more permissive. So Tila Tequila wants to pose sort of wearing bare landing clothing. She kept getting kicked off Friendster. So MySpace was like, sure. <laughs> Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. The, I mean, one of the things that's the most fascinating is how they just happen to be at a moment where their complete technical incompetence was the best possible 
thing. It was actually it's it's a great story about how it's both both their biggest advantage and their worst enemy, which is often the case, right? My best trades roles are my worst. So, um, you know, they were totally ignorant of sort of the technical challenge of what they were doing. So they dove right in, sort of ignorance is bliss, and they were quick to make changes. So when the user said they wanted a certain feature, they threw it out there, even though it totally sucked and it didn't it was really and buggy. And they were constantly crashing the And they whole were constantly system. crashing the whole system. But they didn't care. And so they were able to just move quickly and create uh, – and they didn't waste time perfecting features that weren't going to be popular. So they basically threw everything out there. And the ones that turned out to have some traction, then they would spend time working to perfect those. So it was actually kind of a good strategy. In the end, when they became a big site, it turned against them because they couldn't keep it up and they couldn't keep up with Facebook on a technical. Certainly for me, I remember I was in Iraq when MySpace hit big and mm-hmm. all these uh, soldiers were on MySpace. They loved MySpace. Right. And and so I remember just going, you know, I had pretty good internet connection. And um, you go to any army base in Baghdad or in Iraq and, and there's, you know, certainly by the after the Americans had been there like eight months or so, almost every army base had a little internet cafe, usually actually staffed by Iraqis. It was sort of awesome. And they were all there on their MySpace pages. Right. And so I checked it out, and I it's just too chaotic. It's just right. I didn't know where my eyes should look. It's right. it's ugly. It's difficult. Right. And when I saw um, uh, Facebook, it may – made more sense to me. It's more it's more calming. I, I'm not a huge Facebook user, but at least I know what's going on. It's it's right. I'm able to interact. But my understanding is that that there is a bit of a age and class issue with the division. Yeah, I, I mean look, MySpace was designed I mean I call it the nightclub strategy versus the Ivy League strategy. So MySpace was trying to create that feeling of disorientation that you have when you go into a nightclub. And they wanted to stock it with models and musicians, which is also what you're looking for in a nightclub. And so it has all that aspects of a nightclub, the flashing lights and the disorientation and the kind of crazy, where should I look? And lots of like people wearing strange clothing. So that's their vibe. That's their market. And kind of anything goes. And anything goes, right? And, you know, I think that the the strategy is really deliberate and it does appeal to a different segment. So, um, I felt like as someone who tries to 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 do narrative journalism, um, your biggest challenge is everyone's a jerk. I mean, the <laughs> the most shocking thing that you accomplished is there's a good chunk of the book where the guy you're rooting for, the guy you like the most, is Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> that is really uh, nobody's put it that way, but you're right. It's pretty funny. Because <laughs> you, you have these two guys, Tom and, and Chris, right. who found it. And you sort of think they hit the lottery. I mean, totally. they happened to copy the right thing at the right moment. And they all became insanely rich. But they're all battling each other in these ugly battles to make sure that each one was more rich than the other guys. Yes, totally. And then and we don't. there's a, a lot of... Fascinating nuance about Rupert Murdoch buying MySpace and how just all the personal politics um, behind the scenes. But but basically, um, there isn't a hero here. Yes, it's a challenge. And my editor um, at Random House was concerned about that. And I, I agreed with him that it was a hard book to write because there were no heroes. But I also felt like every character, you just couldn't make these people up. They were so great. I mean, you just... 
as a journalist, when you stumble on this kind of cast of characters and each one of them with their strange, you know, Tom with his Asian porn fetish and, you know, you just, you can't help, you have to write it and just hope that the reader will come along for the ride because they're just equally fascinated. It's very voyeuristic, actually, the way that MySpace is. Right. And I got to say, it total, it does work. It ultimately, for me, made me feel good about myself <laughs> because <laughs> these guys are much richer than I am, insanely rich. Right. But they're such jerks. And they all get screwed in different ways. And, yeah. and, and it's very satisfying. <laughs> and I would not have cared when I learned that Krista Wolf was recently fired by Rupert Murdoch. Yep. I, if I hadn't read your book, I wouldn't have even noticed. I didn't, wouldn't right. know, but I was really happy to hear that. He still has hundreds of millions of dollars, <laughs> and I'm sure he's doing fine. But I don't think he had a good month. And that um, I hate to say it. It makes me a petty person, but I'm a pleasurably petty person. So I was struggling with what the lesson here is. You know, MySpace was doing really, really well, and then it, 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 it has stopped doing as well. But it still is a very successful site. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's on a very steep decline right now. Um, they're losing, you know, millions of members a month, which is a bad sign. <laughs> However, they're trying to double down on music, which is their core. Musicians still like the idea of having their page on MySpace and their friends. So if they can hold on to that niche, I think they could remain relevant. But uh, honestly, it's a challenge. They're in a very bad place right now. <laughs> so I guess the lesson is... I mean, is or let me ask you if the lesson is, if you really want a long time success, do the do the Silicon Valley thing, uh, be be smart, be careful, be excellent. If you want to get really rich really quickly, do the Hollywood thing <laughs> and just copy everyone else's ideas you know, and do it sloppily. Actually, I came to a different conclusion. So um, I think you're sort of right there. Um, but I also think that one thing I, I realized was that the Silicon Valley thing was a bit of a myth. So I, as I thought about it more, I realized, you know what? Like Steve Jobs, he's not like such a great programmer. He's actually a great marketer, right? And Bill Gates, he wasn't the greatest programmer. He was also a great, I would say he was a great marketing strategist. And Microsoft is certainly famously a copier of yes, other people's exactly. ideas. So in a way, what I realized was that I had a false idea about what Silicon Valley was. The myth of Silicon Valley is about technical competence, but the reality is that marketing still makes a huge difference. And so I kind of came to the conclusion that all these guys are hucksters who really cross the line to brilliance. It is a wonderful journey to go where you focus in on a handful of total scam artists and find out, oh, Everyone's a scam. <laughs> scam out of c'est moi. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah. thank you to Julia Engwin. Uh, we are going to be spending this week focusing on regulatory reform. Expect some really exciting, thrilling radio stories in the near future about uh, that topic. Now, you sound sarcastic, but but I, I'm, I believe that we can deliver on that promise of making regulatory reform not only interesting, fascinating, funny, heartbreaking, it's all coming up. Even though we almost gave up. <laughs> right, we did almost give up. But I think we've <laughs> I think we've cracked the <laughs> we've cracked the code. Uh, so please go to our blog, npr.org slash money. Send us your comments, your suggestions, your questions to planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Adam Davidson. I'm Alex Bloomberg. Thank you for listening. 